It is time for another journey deep into the lining of the magical talking hat. Hat wranglers Tony and William reach into the yawning chasm that is the hat and pull forth the questions you have posed. Will they tire of your question quickly? Is your name Azure Talon? Then perhaps they will. But then perhaps not. But that will remain a mystery until we venture into the magical talking hat. Alright, so you're going to need to move around a lot so that I'll know if you freeze up. If you could just sort of do this the whole time, that would be great. All right. I mean, I'm gonna book. off the bat. It's not that bad. Not bad. We, we're, we're, we're seeing. Um, we tried something last time. After, after we talked for like 45 minutes, cut into 20 different podcasts. Uh, and I said, fuck it. And we threw all that away. Uh, I did come up with another idea. And so we quickly tried that out for about 20 minutes and it seemed to work. Um, so maybe this will be it. Maybe. I mean, it, it makes it good. The problem was I, I completely got rid of the existing meeting and created a new meeting. And it makes sense that that's what it would be because... I also use this for other things and I never have that problem. I mean, I occasionally, I will occasionally get a bit where I freeze for a moment and it says your internet is unstable, but it never kicks me out and it's not very often. Mm. So, um, so this makes a lot of sense, but we'll have to see. We did also test and the, the HD webcam is definitely still no go. That was a separate thing. Did not work. So I'm still blurry for now. But we'll see. Um, yeah, so hopefully this works because I, I would like for this to work. I have been on quite a mental health journey lately, and it has not reflected well on the podcast. And part of it is my constant worry, you know, nobody's actually listening. Why are we fucking bothering? Uh, and then spontaneously it seems our listeners came out of the woodwork uh to let me know they were still there and it was very heartening and that's when zoom decided to suck and so that made it worse again and so i would love for not not to be true because now i'm happy so hello everyone welcome to the magical talking hat podcast the only podcast that is uh, stealth marketing for a product we can't tell you about because the deal is we reveal it at year 16. It's very stealth marketing. Uh, but wait around, you'll find out. Um, here's a hint. It's not legal in all countries. Uh, I'm Tony. And I'm William, and this is episode 675. Yes, because you're not counting 674, even though 674 was 481. That's good. No, that's good. That's how I put it out there. That's the appropriate. It was funny, though, when I when I said, like, I'll just post a classic one. I was like, oh, crap. Is it going to have to be an audio one? 
because our mm-hmm. YouTubes don't go back that far. And then I look, yeah, are you? We've been doing the YouTube bit for like four years. We got a lot of YouTube ones, so yep. it's fine. Yep, we do. Uh, so there we are. Uh, a lot of things have been coming up lately since 2020. Like, there's just no sense of time of how long it's been since anything. Like 2020 sort of through 2022 are like one three month period. Yeah. Isn't that weird? But it it does feel like that. Every once in a while now I'll be like, yeah, and that was post the pandemic. And then I'm like, what does that mean at this point? (laughs) Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, For those of you just joining this for the first time, that's weird, but welcome. Uh, we have a hat. It's magic in that it has its own email address, the magical talking hat at gmail.com. People write into that email address, the magical talking hat at gmail.com. Whatever the crap they want, the hat magically forwards it to us. We read them, talk about them. That's the whole show, except I mean, we are so far behind. I will be very impressed if we get to an email today. Um, it has been two weeks since we've been able to talk to the world. But we talked last week for quite a while, so we have to remember all the things that we talked about then that nobody heard. Um, do you have other things that have happened this week, or do you just want to talk about Billy Joel? Well, the funny thing is, I've listened to that song like over and over and over and over again since it was released, so... <laughs> And I've seen some interviews he's done about it, about writing it again. And I've seen his the official video, which does some de-aging and stuff on him and like Ooh. kind of reviews reviews his life or whatever. It's kind of interesting. But um yeah, the new he released a, a single a couple weeks ago. It was that was the first in like 16 years, which I talked to my songwriting partner, and that's about as long as it's been since we <laughs> wrote a song together. It's been a long time. But um have you and Billy Joel ever been photographed together? <laughs> um, so I, one of the reasons I like, I mean, it's it's just a good song, but um, I I do think I'm affected by it a little bit differently or than I would be if I hadn't been in a program to learn how to be a therapist <laughs> because I can't help hearing it. So the song is um, about, uh, ostensibly it's about a, a the, the the singer is is sort of speaking to uh, someone they've been in a relationship with a very long time, and for a long for a long period of that time they weren't getting along very well. Uh, it was a strained relationship. You you can imagine a, a marriage that's kind of gone a little cold and and just maybe many years of not really talking to each other or not really showing each other the kind of um, respect or, or or affection that they used to. And uh, this what, is a what, fun game. As you talk about the story in it, I'm just going to name Billy Joel songs that are already about that. <laughs> so this one's a matter of trust. All right, let's go from here. But but the song is that's the kind of the background for the song. What the song is spending most of its time saying is, I, uh, you know, I'm sorry that I've sort of been absent from this relationship, and now I realize I regret that very much, and, I, and that was a mistake. But I'm here now. Can we? Is it too late for us to to make this better or to to get back on track or or whatever? I think that's only the good die young. 
Well, I don't know of any song that has this, but that particular message of, I mean, the chorus, uh, uh, you know, I'm late, but I'm here right now. And one of, one of the choruses say, I'm looking for forgiveness or whatever. It's, it's just all about a, a person regretting their part basically in a relationship, not going well. It's got some great lyric in it. And, uh, uh, so as it turns out, I've, I've since practiced an internship, I've had a couple of clients who are having problems in relationships and, and a moment like that's represented in this song is just the kind of moment that as a therapist, you'd like to see, you know, between two people who are mostly just waiting for the other person to make the move, right. To, do you know what I'm talking about in relationships where it gets so I think so. Not I diff- mean I have perfect relationships so I don't know this, but <laughs> No, but I I've mean I've heard most, of such things. Yeah, most people can have seen like you know or heard of or maybe experienced with their parent or whatever or themselves a situation where uh conflicts between the two people because this is a common thing. This isn't just the people that I've talk to a gnome, but it's a very common thing for people who live together, married or not really, to start to not communicate as well. And then some resentment starts to grow and grow. And before long, it's just a like they've grown apart and they don't even know how to talk to each other. And they think they're irritable with each other. You know, like they're, they're constantly reading things into what the other person's saying because of a decade or two decades of, of, built up and pent up resentment and, and lack of proper communication. And that's and, moving out. <laughs> but uh, in this one, you know, in this song, it's about the person who st- looks at that and stops and goes, uh, this is, you know, at least partly my fault or maybe all my fault. And I'm ready to let go of all that and see if we can make this work again, which is very moving to me. Grad. It, it's very moving to me and and uh, very powerful. And like I said, as someone who's trying to get into the profession of, of therapy, including working with couples, you know, it it immediately speaks to to that in a in a way that it wouldn't have if I wasn't doing this. I mean, I'm sure I would have loved the song anyway, but um, I, I'm often surprised by how, you know, going through this program and, and entering this profession has made me see things differently that I didn't expect to see differently. And by that, I mean, specifically the professional part, like, you know, to think of, Oh, that would, this song is actually a good therapy song. (laughs) I never thought of any songs as being therapy songs before, but now I kind of do. I I didn't really expect that. May just be the field though, because I get a lot of that going through therapy. Mm. suddenly other things around me i do a lot of like recognizing things in other places that are similar to what i've got going Mm. on stuff like that um you can tell us is one of your clients billy joel come on just between you and me and and the podcast no of course you have to say that because if it was him you couldn't tell me so (laughs) come on okay wink wink if it's billy joel Oh, that was the way I got there. You got you Stop got it. You There's also other applications, like, like in some way, even though it's it's clearly got language in it that's speaking of a relationship. Really, it seems like a long, like a marriage, or at least a long-term living together arrangement. Um, there's very specific lyrics like that. You, you could also think of it as 
uh, a person who is has sort of been alienated from their own self for a long time, which I can relate to it on that in on that basis. Still rock and roll to me. <laughs> so yeah, I've been listening to it a lot because it's just it's just a very powerful song, and um, you know I've been doing we've been doing other things too. We watched we finished uh, the True Detective with uh, oh Night Night Country. Yeah, Night Country. It was, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not sure that if you like that anthology, you'll like this because it's not really similar to those things. But it, it's still perfectly good. I mean, it's only very minor anecdotal data, but the people I've spoken to who watch it don't like it as well as they liked the rest of the series. Well, which... Right, but that's mostly because it's just very different. But I mean, since yeah. we are fans of Jodie Foster and of this kind of thing, like the show, if, if you forget about it being part of this anthology, but you think yeah, of it yeah. as its own thing, yeah, we're fans of that. So, so it's like, okay, get rid of our expectations for that and just appreciate it for what it is. But I can totally understand someone thinking, well, this isn't what I signed up for. To, <laughs> this isn't anything like those shows. And so, yeah, I can see why they wouldn't like it. But if the, and the genre I'd say that it's more appropriately in is it's, um, it's kind of a supernatural thriller, really, more than it is mm. like a mystery or detective thing. It's it's more of a supernatural thriller, which is actually kind of good. Uh, it's, it's well made for that. That and is Jody very Foster. different from True Detective, yeah. as I understand it. But. Yeah, and Jodie Foster. Does. So, in fact, anyone who's interested in supernatural thrillers at all, they'd probably like this. We also finished uh, the the Terror. We watched. Um, are you familiar with that? It's um. Ridley Scott, I think, produced it, and it's about mm. uh, the 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 terror in the Erebus that went tried to go discover the Northwest Passage in the Arctic, and those ships were lost, and those guys never came back. And someone mm. fictionalized it, wrote a fictional book about it, and so this is based on that. It's well, well acted, well written, well shot, but it's so dark. I mean, you shouldn't watch it. I don't think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it was very good, and a lot of excellent people were in it. And and I guess they're, that's also they're turning that into an anthology where they made that this season, and they they have a second season. They made something else. Hmm. Also, supernatural thrillers. I think you would say uh, in that category. I am discovering there are so many TV shows now that I've never heard of. And I don't know if that's reflective of the number that are being created or reflective of me getting older, but I recently watched a list video that was shows that recently got canceled. And one of them was a show I've never heard of that just got canceled after its seventh season. Wow. Uh, to be fair, it's, it's a Paramount plus thing or whatever. It's called seal team. And it's David Boreanaz and other people. And it's not my thing. But they're like, yeah, it was on the seventh season. And I'm like, and I've literally never heard of this show. <laughs> well, so. I mean, the 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 space where shows are like, you know, this happened in the in the move to cable, right? It's like when we were young and, and cable happened and then hundreds of channels, yeah, yeah, yeah. there were all kinds of shows that you were never even going to hear about. And since I, streaming, I keep getting stuck about if I'm an 80s kid or a 90s kid <laughs> because of my age. And one of the factors is a lot of 90s kid stuff. I don't know just because we didn't have cable. 
So right. like Nickelodeon and Disney Channel and stuff, I might have been the right age, but we didn't have it. So. Right, right, right. Well, and I think streaming has blown up and Netflix. I, I mean, just I mean, Netflix is streaming, but I mean, Netflix by itself is just crank and crank like worldwide. Well, they keep stuff. buying other countries TV shows. Yeah. Too. So, yeah, there's just. I, I that happens to me, too. I hear of a TV show and, and it's been on like 10 seasons. And it's the first I've heard of it. And it's something I want to watch. So, and so it's that's fun from a binging perspective. But you're, you're thinking, yeah. why didn't I hear of this before now? But yeah. But anyway, um, and playing Diablo 4, that's been fun. Yeah. I know you've got a lot to talk about. I do. You know, because I talked about half of it last time. But um, <laughs> I do want to just uh, one thing and, and leap forward with uh, we finished Bodies finally. Oh, okay. Yeah. What'd you think? <laughs> I don't. I, I think it's probably good. Oh, okay. I, uh, it, it gets graded on a curve. You don't mm-hmm. get a lot of things like this. And so I think that's probably good. Um, There are a lot of things I didn't like about it. it, mm-hmm. it and, um, I think it can mostly be put down to three categories of which one, I don't really want to, I, th- I feel like it spoils something, but what I will say is they use the device that is perfectly viable, but I consider very lazy screenwriting and mm. they used it heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, I will say it's still bad time travel. And I don't feel like it's spoilers to say time travel because the premise is that the same body shows up in four different time periods. So time travel's involved people. Yeah. Right. Um, It does bad time travel. Now to be fair, some of the most common issues with time travel, I think they found a way that I could, you be an apologist for it, Mm. but then they do some other shit shit that I'm just like, Nope, Nope. (laughs) This is bad time travel, which is my experience. And then this other one, which I talked about during the episode that we lost now, um, this is the actual last episode, as opposed to the fake ones we always used to talk about. Um, if you are, I mean, you most things you have good guys and you have bad guys. If your bad guys think they are good guys, and in particular think that they are like doing terrible things that they regret, but they know it is for a better, greater good. Mm-hmm. They should not act like villains. They should not be flippant, snide dickheads who belittle the people on the other side and just be assholes. Um, that's the thing. If if you're if you have villains, sometimes villains know they're villains. Sometimes they don't. Often people villains don't think they're villains. If your villain doesn't think they're a villain, they shouldn't act like a villain. And I don't right. mean the decisions. I mean personality. and bodies has a lot of people that are ostensibly like like very reluctantly doing bad things for the sake of a greater good and they're real shitty about it (laughs) and i have just in general i would say while i don't dislike the story i think the story is kind of cool um the dialogue is not great in a lot of places the acting is good but it's yeah um it did a couple of things with the because that was the thing is at a certain point you kind of know what's going on 
So then I sort of lose interest. I'm like, well, how are they going to resolve this? Well, here's a few options. But like, I'm less like the tension is gone for me. I'm like, mm-hmm. clearly they're going to do something in this vein or whatever. Right. But they did surprise me a little bit. And I thought it was a creative idea that, again, is burdened by time travel not working the way that they think it does. Um, to the degree that Trish is still having trouble wrapping her mind around things like that, which you might think is actually a sign of good time travel, but it is not in this case. Um, so uh, overall, yeah, it's probably worth it. Um, they did. They did something in literally the very last moment that is absolutely bizarre and makes no sense. And Trish is like, why is that like that? And I was like, I'll tell you why. In case it was popular enough, they wanted to do a second season. (laughs) It's something that makes no sense. But if we did a second season, we could explain it. And that could be the jumping off point for a whole new season. Sure. Um, I do not think it was that successful. I've heard nothing about this. It was referred to as a limited series. But I think every TV show has to have some of that bullshit nowadays. Yeah. Um, All right. I got that out of the way. Let's talk movies. Uh, Let's talk movies. I got a lot of movies and a lot of things to say about movies. Okay. And there's more to the list since we last spoke. I'm sure there is. Uh, All right. We're going to start at the top again. I'm going to try and be quicker on some of these. Uh, Deliver Us is a horror film. It's on Hulu. It's about a nun who gets magically impregnated with twins and one of them's the devil and one of them's the antichrist one of them's the messiah and hijinks ensue and it sounded like good catholic horror fodder it is not i don't even particularly appreciate it makes no sense um it is one of those where three people were responsible for two two of them did the writing two of them did the directing and uh the one who didn't do the directing is the lead Mm. who's one of the writers and also two of these people are siblings uh and so it has that sort of feel to it it is weirdly gratuitous in both its violence and nudity in a strange way that is so gratuitous that it like as somebody who's fine with both of those things i'm just like what are you doing? What? <laughs> um, it's the story has more plot holes than you can shake a stick at. It is interestingly shot. It is competently acted. There's nothing mind blowing about the acting in it. Um, I don't even think it's fun as a as a bad movie. So I would not recommend it in any form. Okay. Um, then we watch Joyride, which is a movie about the actor whose name I really need to get down, who played Joy slash Jobu Tepaki in Everything Everywhere All at Once and plays May in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And I think she's somewhere else recently. She's amazing. And three other Asian actors that you think you know, but you probably don't. I didn't, but I thought I did. One of them really channeling her inner Aquafina, so that may be some of it. But the four of them, it's it's a it's a road trip buddy comedy thing, um, and it is very Asian focused and it addresses a lot of issues about being 
Asian American versus Asian Asian and and issues of identity and all that. I don't know that it handled them well, but I'm not the person to say. So representationally, I suppose this is good, and I hope people are getting a lot out of it and feeling seen. I mostly thought it felt like a kind of movie they made in the 90s mm. that doesn't work nowadays mm. and wasn't a particularly good version of that kind of movie. Mm. So, oh. Um, but I hope somebody enjoyed it. All right. We're not there yet. All right. Um, <laughs> Across the Spider-Verse, the second animated mm. Spider-Man. Have you still not seen it? Mm-mm. All right. I didn't like it. I didn't think it's just me. It, visually, it is as stunning as the original. Mm-hmm. And if you want to watch it for that, or if you want to get high and watch it, I'm sure it's a great time. <laughs> um, I liked the first one, despite it being Spider-Man. I don't like this one because it is Spider-Man. It is very Spider-Man. <laughs> and I do not like Spider-Man. And in fact, it doubles and triples down on a lot of the things I don't like about Spider-Man. Mm. Um, it also is a lot more teenagery in a way that I do not enjoy. Oh. It is as a lot of things, including other things on this list. It's playing with its morality poorly. In my opinion, a lot of these things are taking really gray area shit and being like, but this one's the good guy. And this one's the bad guy, even though it's all muddled. Um, and you can tell because this one gets mad or doesn't care, and this one is feels bad about it. Something. We're gonna wait till we get to the Marvels. Jesus Christ. Um, and we also spend a lot. I, I enjoyed the performances, and I enjoyed the performances last time. We spend a lot of time talking about how awesome Miles Morales is, <laughs> and we spend very little time seeing him be awesome. Mm. he seems fine he seems like an okay kid i mean he has teenager issues that they all have which are pretty shitty issues um but there's nothing spectacular about him that i understand and so many characters base their decisions on how awesome he is and how inspiring he is to them and i'm like why i don't get it (laughs) so i didn't enjoy it uh literally everyone else in the world thought it was great maybe even better than the first one so go check it out. All right. As long as we're here, let's get the Marvels out of the way. Trish enjoyed the Marvels. Oh. It's got a lot of girl powery things in it, I suppose. That is fun. You get I mean, it definitely passes Bechdel test with flying colors. Um and, and also passes passes the sexy lamp test. It's it's a very female centric movie, and I like that. Um it is. I mean, I'm over the MCU hard and over superheroes hard. So my opinion sort of shouldn't matter. And my opinion is also pretty skewed because of that. That being said, insofar as I can try and formulate something close to an objective opinion, it feels like a below average MCU film. Mm. It doesn't feel that good. Uh, the actor playing Kamala Khan steals the show 
and I looked her up, and all of her credits are playing Kamala Khan. She's been in three things ever, mm-hmm. and they're all playing that character. So I'm extremely excited to see what she's like outside of that role. Um, also, maybe I'm not a fan of Brie Olson. Brie, Brie Larson? Sorry, Brie, Brie Larson, Olson, yeah. I think, is a porn star. Brie Larson. Um, I thought I was. But then over time, I'm like, what did you like her in? Mm. And I went and looked at her IMDb, and I haven't seen her in a lot. Mm. But the things I have seen her in, I'm like, eh. Like, I don't think she's bad. I don't think she's particularly dynamic. Mm. I don't think her performances are particularly interesting. She's been around for a long time. She really made a name for herself in the movie The Room, Mm -hmm. in which she was the mother, but I wouldn't go near that movie um but yeah it's not she's not she gives a very sedate performance and i get bored with it i don't know so maybe i'm not a fan uh also the morality in the marvels is fucked up (laughs) um who's a good guy and who's a bad guy is extremely arbitrary and it deals with issues that Disney and Marvel are in no way capable of dealing with. <laughs> um, so don't particularly recommend that one either. Um, all right. Let's get into the more interesting ones. We got a couple here. Uh, Hereditary. Ari Aster's first film. We had not seen it. You seen it? Uh, yeah, I believe so. We saw Midsummer and really liked Midsummer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like, we've never seen this. And then people talk really well about her. I mean, it's what made him a big deal so that he could make Midsummer. Um, I recently saw a picture of him. He's not how I pictured him and not how I would picture somebody named Ari Aster. So I don't know. Um, but uh, anyway, we watched this. It didn't, it didn't work for us. Yeah. Um, Quite a bit. Now, full disclosure, we both already knew the plot. And this is a movie that relies pretty heavily on twists and mysteries. Yeah, I guess it does. So that could be a factor. But mostly, nobody in it acts like people. And to be fair, there are reasons why some of them don't act like people like plot points why they're not supposed to but nobody in this movie acts like um gabriel burns character is a is one of the leads and is a very small part at the same time and afterwards in watching something else about it I found out he's supposed to be a psychiatrist and I'm like genuinely offended on behalf of psychiatrists. (laughs) Like this movie presupposes a world where mental health support does not exist. Mm. Like I say that there's a support group, but what I'm saying is so many things that happen in this movie should immediately result in some sort of therapeutic care. And none of it ever does for any, for anyone. Mm. And that was Trish pointed out the thing too. It needs half an act 
in the front that it doesn't have. Mm. We come into this movie with a family in crisis for reasons we don't fully understand, but consequently, they're all acting like fuckheads and you never like any of them. Mm. Hmm. Like we we could not relate to, did not understand, and did not like any of the characters because you come in and shit's already gone wrong and made them all bad. Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. Um a neat idea and 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 marvelously shot, incredible production values, really creative film craft, really great performances for what the material is um and and very heavy detail that i didn't notice at the time but like people have gone through and it's it's one of those where like things in the background mean shit and stuff and there's all sorts of pieces and themes and stuff like that didn't didn't work for us Hmm. and and all of that kind of applies to midsummer as well like I, I cannot tell you why we liked Midsummer so much and did not like this. I'm not sure what it is, but so that's what that is. Um, let's talk about my big recommendation, Europa Report. Okay. Um, Europa Report is a movie from I think 2013 that I was never interested in because. I like sci-fi, but I don't like sci-fi that's like real. I don't I, I don't find actual human space travel to be interesting. I don't that's why I don't watch movies like Gravity. I saw Apollo 13, but that kind of movie is not generally my kind of thing. Uh how actual human space travel works looks sad and tedious and long. <laughs> and not fun. Uh so it's not normally my jam. And this is a found footage sci-fi movie. Not a horror. You could argue it's a thriller. Um, about because reasons, uh, they send a manned mission to Europa mm. to look for cool shit, and it just never seemed at all my kind of thing. But for years, I've been watching videos and things that talk about how this movie's amazing, like movies that you should see. That nobody, and, and they're also all very about, like, I'm not really getting, I don't want to spoil anything. It's it's something to be experienced, which is true. I don't think there's, like, particularly big twists, but it is one of those that, like, you should go through it, so I don't want to really spoil anything either. Um, and it was, I the other night, I was scrolling, looking for something to watch, and it popped up, and I'm like, you know what? The world says I should see this. It's like 93 minutes. I'll just watch it. It was really good. Mm. It was very compelling. It was maybe not a good one right before bed. It's not, like I said, it's not scary or anything, but I was I was into it enough that like I could feel my heart going. And I'm like, this might not be good right before bed. Um, it has a few decent named actors in it. Daniel Wu's in it. Uh, Sholto Copley, who frequently does shit I don't like, but is great in this um some actors i've never it's very well acted uh it is freakishly real it's very hard sci-fi um it they they studied tons of footage of actual spacewalks and people in the iss to make it as realistic as they could in how they designed the spacecraft and how they i i looked up some of it and they used some really cool tricks 
to to affect the look of weightlessness <laughs> and it really looks good like it looks weightless it's, it's very cool um so i would highly recommend that it's sort of all over the place i had it included with prime but it's it's i mean it's like you know 11 years old and it's a lesser known sci-fi movie so it's it's in a lot of places but i would i would recommend that to just about anybody uh it was really good so check that out um i'd say you froze up but you just look sedated oh no wait maybe you did freeze up now well yeah, you, you did for up. a second you, you froze up you did no it's you what was that movie called again? Europa something? That's just brother? the rest of the podcast. No, you froze up. You froze. <laughs> Europa Report. I Report. keep wanting to call it Europa One, which is the name of the spacecraft, but no, it's Europa Report. And the thumbnail for it is just some shots of giant glaciers on presumably on Europa with maybe like huh. a little person in between. Um, so so it's it was 20... just all fucking made on sound stages in Brooklyn, but it looks gorgeous. 2013 and I never heard of it. Yeah, I I hear about it constantly, but I just wasn't interested. But I recommend it. It's really good. Okay. It's not... It is not a lessons movie. It is not a movie that, like, has made me think about things differently. (laughs) It's just a good story and some compelling acting that really gets you involved. I mean, not that it's not. It definitely could warrant discussion afterward. But it's not one of those that, like, changed my life. But it's mm. just a really good movie. Okay. Um, and the last one I want to talk about, which means maybe we will get to it now. Saturday Night Fever. The 1977 disco film with John Travolta. You seen it? Uh, no. I mean, you know, parts of it, like, it's been on in places yeah, I've been it. at. Well, and now having seen it, you've seen a lot of more references to it than even you realize. Probably. Um, There were lots of things. I was like, oh, that's where that's from. Um, It was another one of those Trish and I were like, have you seen Saturday Night Fever? I don't think so. Or if not, and it was the one I was getting. Me neither. Let's watch it. So we watched it. Um, Trish didn't enjoy it. Uh, And I understand why. And had I known what the movie was i don't think i would have seen it Mm. but i'm very glad i did Mm. um people don't talk about it It, it's like the thing with the end of the hustler people do not talk about what that movie's about like what do you think saturday my favor is about what do i think it's about yeah what do you think it's about uh i think it's about it's kind of like like a slice of life thing about this guy that you know goes to clubs and lives at home and i mean it, that it's not really about anything it's just about a a portion of his life is what i think it's about that's what i think too and people yeah. talk about it as like oh it's the disco movie you know it's yeah. it's the it's the john travolta disco movie or whatever and that's what people and, and to be fair it was made at a time where disco was not considered silly and the Bee Gees did the whole soundtrack to it, including some original songs. Um, and there is a lot of really impressive choreography, disco choreography, but still there is a lot of that. And yes, 
dancing is central to the character. But that's, in my opinion, that's not what the movie's about. You could easily replace that with something else. Um, it is a fucking heavy movie. There, serious shit goes down. And I remember watching it. And at first I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I don't relate to any of these characters. This was not my youth, you know, I didn't grow up. And so at a certain point I was, just, and also the seventies and all. So I'm just like, whatever. So I'll, I, I can, I can be fine. Cause I'm very detached from it. But at a certain point I start noticing themes. It's not pleasant stuff in my opinion. But it's themes that I'm like, this is interesting. At a certain point, Trish got mad because I do not think it was a particularly progressive movie for the time period. I don't think it was regressive, but I don't think it was particularly progressive. And it was in 1977. So there's a lot of shit that has not aged well. But there's also a lot of shit in it that is not good, that is supposed to be not. Like, stuff that it's not oh because it was the 70s no the filmmaker is is very intentionally whatever the opposite of glorifying it's denigrating some fucked up shit and at a certain point i tell i i guess i'm sort of not wanting to spoil it. i tell her i said i think the movie's about this it's like this is the theme running through it and what that means and then later in the movie john travolta gave a monologue that basically said the same thing and i was like oh. i did get it right um it i started off really not enjoying it and i i mean i don't like the people but i don't think i'm supposed to like the people um and it's it's very compelling in very interesting ways to the degree that sort of the central relationship which at first seems trite and uninteresting to me kind of becomes compelling and believable in a, in an interesting way uh and it was i mean i'm not saying it I say changed my life. It it gave me lessons and things to think about that I could apply to my life. That's what I'm mm. talking about. That's, there's kind of movies that do that and kind of movies that don't. And this one really did. This one stuck with me and I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, it has some pretty dark shit in it, which I was not aware of. And like I said, some of it, I'm not sure I would have chosen to watch it had I known. It, it often seems to come up as, yeah, slice of life. I would say if somebody was forcing me to put it into a standard genre, I would have guessed it was a comedy, mm. but it's definitely not. It has funny bits, but it's definitely not a comedy. Um, and it is really well shot. It is really well produced overall. It's quite well acted. Again, I don't like anybody, but they do a really good job of playing the people I don't like. Um, it's also what I took from it is very much part of where I am right now. So I don't know that everybody, and like I said, Trish was less into it. Um, it's, it's quite misogynist in places and quite racist in places. And some of it is intentional and is trying to make a point. And some of it is probably unnoticed. It was just the seventies. Um, and you have to prepare for the fact that it's a movie that takes disco seriously. <laughs> um, which is tricky. And I have since found out, it, well, first of all, I found out film people love this movie. It's listed on lists of like the, the hundred best movies of all time and shit by mm. some people. Uh, a lot of people say Gene Siskel, apparently before he died, said it was his favorite movie ever. Um, but also uh, in more recent 
uh, lenses that are put forth nowadays, a lot of people are like, yeah, this is, this was also the gentrifying of disco. This movie told white guys that they could do disco. Mm. This, Mm. this movie did what uh, was the, Oh, this movie did what Elvis did for rhythm and blues. Mm. It made it something that had historically been a disenfranchised thing and made it so the mainstream could do it. And in some ways was damaging to that culture in the process, Mm. which again, kind of moot because nobody's doing disco now, but, um, but interesting historically. I know roughly what the sequel is about, and I cannot believe it's the same vibe. Like, I, I'm guessing it, I don't think I'll bother to watch it because it is an actual sequel. And I'm like, I, I suspect it's a sequel they put together because the first one was successful. Hmm. I don't know what more you would really say, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, it, there's a lot more to that movie than I had believed. And people might want to check it out. Interesting. All right. Shockingly, we got through all those. Uh, so I, I am playing an insane amount of Red Dead Redemption 2. I could go, I could do several episodes just on that experience. Um, it's crazy. Trish and I are trying to play Divinity Original Sin 2, and we're having trouble. Those games are not very good at explaining themselves in the beginning. And and it's and they are so open that you can kind of fuck yourself over real fast. Mm. Uh, so we're we're working on that. But anyway, um, yeah, read us an email. Okay, it's about time. Uh, this is from Beth. Beth, hi, Beth. West Beth Lake, whose children I believe are probably in high school now. She says, I'm finally caught up on podcast episodes and know you're out of questions, so I thought I'd better send one. Thank you. Just we rewatched that very much. Just rewatched Top Gun Maverick last night. Rewatched it. <clears throat> I haven't seen it uh, at all yet. Um, I was thinking how nice it was to have a female pilot in the mix and that she wasn't really a romantic character. That got me thinking about the Bechtel test, and if Top Gun Maverick passes. As I recall, the pilot, Phoenix, doesn't talk to any other women. This is one scene. There is one scene when Jennifer Connelly's daughter comes home and catches Tom Cruise at the house. There are two con- convers- There are two conversations at once, one with Tom Cruise and Jennifer about how he's going to sneak out of the house, and one between Jennifer and the daughter about eating dinner. However, for this interaction, the daughter is not in the room completely off screen. Pass or fail the Bechtel test. Beth. P.S. I also have some happy birthday Jesus freebies I saved for Tony and family. If you'd like them, let me know. What does that mean? I have no idea. All I can think of is Christmas cookies. Oh. Um. What's a happy birthday Jesus freebie, Beth? Uh, maybe we want it. I don't know. I mean, that's when we celebrate his birthday. So I don't know. Happy, so su- happy birthday, Jesus. So I suppose right. the complication here is that Tom Cruise is technically in this conversation that they're having, but 
but one character doesn't know that. Yes. Um, all right. Let's lay down the groundwork first. I have not seen the original Top Gun. I've seen... I take it back. I've seen the first, like, 15 minutes until somebody says a swear. Because we had a thing in music class in elementary school where if we did something, we could spend one period watching a movie. And we did the something, and we all picked Top Gun. And then we started watching it, and they were like, oh, God, we've made a huge mistake because there's, like, swears in it and stuff. So then we had to stop watching it. Um, so that's all I saw, and I was, like, in fifth grade. So I've not seen the original Top Gun. I did not see the sequel because I did not see the original Top Gun. And I am not a huge fan of sequels. And I am especially not a huge fan of sequels decades later. So a sequel decades later to a movie I never watched was not on my radar. Um, no pun intended. And you have presumably seen the original? Okay, so you haven't seen either of these either. When the original came out, I was not interested in seeing it at all. Mm. I've never, people have talked about it and everything they've said about it makes me confident that that was the right decision. Not because I think it's a bad movie or anything. It's just, it's not, No, apparently it's pretty good. Uh, (laughs) It is funny to me because I was a big fan of the Hot Shots movies. And the first one particularly is a parody of Top Gun. Oh, okay. And part of me is like, I should watch that. Uh, but anyway, luckily, her question doesn't mostly seem to be about that. Um, the Bechdel test is slash was a good starting point for looking at representation within movies. Since it has sort of become a mainstream phenomenon, it has kind of been shown that it has a ton of exceptions. There are movies who past the Bechdel test that still suck when it comes to representation and portrayal of women. And there are movies that do not technically pass the Bechdel test that do really good with some of their female characters. Um, I like to add in the sexy lamp test nowadays. Um, I think this is very effective and this is, it's named after the, the weird lamp from Christmas story. Uh, but the basic thing is, are there female characters that could not be replaced with a sexy lamp and be the same thing? Could, could you make, could you take that female character and replace it with a prop with sex appeal? If so, it's probably not a great female character. And like the Bechdel test, passing doesn't often mean good things necessarily. What it is is there are a ton of movies that if you stop and think just for a second about them with regards to the Bechdel test or the Sexy Lamp test, you're like, yeah, this movie is really shitty at women. (laughs) But it's it's very much just sort of a smoke test. It's a very first pass kind of thing. It's it's a very easy way to stop and just glance at a movie and be like, okay, this patently sucks with regard to its fem- female representation. It is in, in no way an excuse for actually diving into some of this, but 
there are so many movies that do not fail the sexy lamp test or the Bechdel test that it's really helpful. Like we don't have to dive in anymore because we're like, look at that. Obviously it sucks. So let's move on. Um, so the real answer is, is the pilot Phoenix a compelling character is, does she have a point in the movie other than to be sexy or to be there for a man in some sort of, romantic or maternal or 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 sexual capacity if the answer to that is yes then it sounds like decent female character although some people and i'm one of these people can be bothered a little bit by you you get a character just like you described female character pretty much the only one or at least she doesn't interact with any other females about anything because they're either there aren't any others or none of the others have big speaking parts or talk to her. Yeah. She's a perfectly drawn. She's not like dating anybody. It's not, you know, she's a, she's a character that fits in and is just is in every way equal and appreciated the same way as all the male characters. And yet you, you get this strong Smurfette vibe from the whole thing. And that's just, that takes away from it for me yep. personally. Right. I don't like yep. the whole Smurfette thing. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm glad when they when they make her, she's not dating someone or or whatever. I, I like that. I like that she's a full, uh, a, a well-rounded character and everything. I just have to ask if it's like an ensemble of five people and there's no plot reason. <laughs> Why? Why just one woman? See, I don't understand. <laughs> I have invented I a term that I think helps explain this. I call it tokenism well <laughs> i know you hyper educated elites call it the smurfette thing uh but there's but a, i call it tokenism i i think i've even heard some people admit that you know that they're they aren't idiots they knew they only had one woman in this whole thing and they they wanted to avoid tokenism that's like a word they used but they admitted that they didn't know how to write other women into the ensemble uh, because every time they did, they would fight with each other or something because they had this, you know, sexist view of women where you can't have two women in a group or they're going to fight all the time or they're not going to yeah. get along or they're going to compete for male <laughs> attention. So, so they didn't, they, they just found themselves in a place where they didn't even know how to write. Like they could write men getting along and com and with camaraderie and everything, and one woman maybe in there getting along and camaraderie and everything. But as soon as another woman shows up, the men are competing for them, or they're competing. Like they just couldn't. This is wrap their brain around it. This is the classic I, that I actually even before I really was first in any feminism or anything. I remember as a kid noticing this. Every group, every team. A lot of cartoons and, and children's shows have a team, a superhero team or whatever, um, just a, a group. Um, and the women, the female characters had to be in the minority. So if you only had three people on your team, one of one of them was usually a girl, but only one. Yep. You never had a team with two girls and a guy. If you had five, at most two of them would be girls. Just two. Could yep. just be one, but it would never be three or four. Nope. Uh, seven, same thing. You could get one, two, or three. Usually with seven, you'd probably have two, a blonde and a brunette. Uh, 
and you might get up to three, but usually not. I think actually two was kind of the cap. Even in a group of seven, you wouldn't get more than two. Mm. Um, and I remember noticing that when I was little. And it annoyed me because I just like having female characters around. Um, and I was like, why is it always like that? You know, uh, I want to point something out before you continue, though. In the in the 70s and 80s, diversity in in children's programming was a big thing. Like everyone talks about it now, like, oh, yeah, yeah. we're all woke and all this stuff. It's like this is this is the kind of stuff we, you and I grew up with teams with very diverse racially or culturally. And yes, with men and women, although I also observed that the women were never 50 percent represented ever. No. At, neither will were any non-whites. If you had a group of three, you had one white guy, one black guy, and one white woman. If you oh, had a group sure, of sure. five, you had two white guys, one black guy, one white woman, and a wild card, which could be literally anything. It could be yeah, a white guy, American, it could be an Asian, it Asian be, yeah. person. And it might yeah. just be a third white guy. Could be. Um, yeah. But you yeah. always had two white guys. and Well, and even, and we talk about the horror movie tropes of uh the i mean there's the virgin and the the slut which are the blonde and the brunette and then there's the nerd and the alpha and the stoner and those are almost always they have to be men there is nothing about the personality archetypes that would require them to be men but they almost always are Every once in a while, the nerd is a girl, but frequently that's only when she's folded into uh, the the virgin stereotype. And then usually we just have an extra jock. But the overall uh, effort to be a guy, the overall effort to be diverse and inclusive. I mean, Sesame Street, for God's sakes. I mean, every you know, they were all doing that and everybody not only was OK with it, they were. I mean, I knew people who uh back in the day who who were staunch republicans but they thought that was good they wanted yep. a, they wanted a large tent i mean it's just weird how we've gotten to a place where people are suddenly acting like this is new or well except disruptive. it's trying to be changed because that's the thing tokenism is the new every time there's an issue like this a solution eventually comes up and people eventually get on board with it and then we find out there's problems with it as well it used to be that diversity was like, if you could see someone there, it was good. So if you've got a black person in your show, it's good. <laughs> and then eventually people were like, how come all the black people are pimps? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's not great. <laughs> and they're like, what do you want? You said you wanted black people. We gave you black people. A lot of black people are pimps. So we decided the black people are pimps. What are you talking about? It's integral to the story. I'm like, yeah, but why is it integral to every story? <laughs> okay, come okay. On. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And that's and this is where things come about. Having a, a woman who is all about her sexuality as a character. And even like is vapid and is useless and is just a sex object is perfectly fine in one story. Yep. Not all of them. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Right. And a team made up of mostly men is fine in a story. Mm. But then you have to start looking at So th this is another factor. Are they, you know, who wrote good, strong female characters? 
Joss Whedon. Now, don't get me wrong. There were lots of other issues that we didn't know about related to that. But he wrote good, strong female characters, except they're all the goddamn same. Mm-hmm. They are all strong female characters in the same exact mode, and they have the same weaknesses and the same sexist assumptions. Um, they all have the daddy issues. They have, like all that kind of stuff. Uh and one a Joss Whedon female character is awesome. The fact that they're all like that, you know, like pick a new thing, and that's the dominant, the dominant demographic, the guys, the white people, etc. They get such a broad range. They got different ones, and they get nuance. This one is, you know, they have, they have character. Mm-hmm. everybody else just gets the one thing and then people push back and they're like but that's and I get weird I watch things with Asian people in them that have a lot of things that I'm like this feels like a stereotype but it's like written by Asian people <laughs> and the truth is stereotypes often come from a place that a lot of people have experienced that sometimes it's even the majority sometimes but it's it can't be everybody. So you want to speak that truth, but then you also need to give us a variety. People need to be able to be whatever kind of character they want. Well, yeah, and then, of course, you know, that strong female character, that Joss Whedon strong female character, not everybody likes that version Ooh. of a strong female Ooh. character. A lot of, I, I know a lot of women who never liked his strong female characters. Yeah. They never did anything for me either. Yeah. Um, so they had, a, they had a few, there, there are aspects of it. It's not my favorite kind of, of lead in general. But I, but like you said, that's one kind and that's fine. <laughs> make, make that. But how about other kinds? Would that, that would be nice. Is, we, it just applies to anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. you could have the coolest, most i mean you could have i don't know kate mulgrew being kate mulgrew and something i'm trying to pick a female that i think you would love i don't know your favorite kate mulgrew character ever okay if every single female character was just that character it'd be like this is weird are we telling no. women that they can only be this <laughs> yeah no, even that if be this good. is a cool thing right right which right, right. it spoiler alert it seldom is but even if it was, if, if at a certain point we were like, well, and actually, this is the thing too, uh, rom-coms. In a romantic comedy, in, in a heterosexual romantic comedy, first of all, every dude is an architect, which is weird. But I think architect-like advertising exec are those jobs where you're. it can all hinge on one client, which is always a very good dramatic thing. But... Right. Women are always either bakers or uh, something vaguely technological, like TV producer, maybe a blogger, something like that. And these are all perfectly fine careers, but they're all that. And you get differences in men. You will sometimes find men with a, but with women, it's so fucking consistent, or at least it was there. It is changing some, but, but it's hard pressed. Like 
what go through a list of rom-coms that you've seen those of you who watch rom-coms and it applies to so many of them it's mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um especially the baking thing it's very weird um you do get you do get men ones now some but mostly the women the women all have the bake shops all the time and don't get me wrong i would love to marry a baker but so so this whole smurfette thing one of the things that's aggravating about it is is i can't help but get and you know this is my bias and perspective i'm not saying everyone thinks this or should but i can't get over the the notion that like this group of guys can't can't deal with having more than one female friend in their thing or the and or the female can't deal with having more female friend in there and that immediately makes me respect all of them less which yeah. again I'm, I'm sure that's a bias but it it hurts my relating to these characters that it's like you you really just sort of accidentally randomly came up with this <laughs> you've got this many men and only one woman and that that's not there's that's not on purpose somehow and maybe it's not i'm, I'm not saying i'm being fair i'm just saying that in my mind, I'm thinking this is I'm willing a more to deliberate it choice. Is unconscious. <laughs> okay, but sure. that is not the same as accidental. Exactly. That's right. That's exactly what I'm saying. And again, I'm not saying it's fair. And I don't. It's like not like when I'm out in public seeing people hanging out. I don't think about this at all. But in a in a movie, I think to myself, uh, there's something non-organic about that like there's a story behind why this group is like this and they're not telling that story but i'm filling those blanks in in my head and it doesn't equal good things in terms of how i relate to these characters but maybe that's just me i don't know um if all right we are out of time but (laughs) it appears this worked so i'm very excited yeah it's froze up twice i think but um, it, but only for a few done. seconds and didn't cut us out. So well, I missed I missed a li- I missed quite a bit of what you were saying about Saturday. But I mean, Fever, it did actually kick me kick out. Us of out. The right, 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 right. Um, and the, like those could legitimately be that I don't have great internet. I don't know, but like <laughs> it's not that that is on par with what I will get in other Zoom sometimes. So I'm not so worried about that. Granted, um, Fair so enough. this is great. So I'm very excited for that, and we we actually have quite a few emails right now. But we can always use more. Please keep writing in um, because I'm not normally going to have six movies to talk about. Um, and William never has anything interesting to talk about. No. Uh, but before we go, I just want to wrap up a little bit here. Say. Uh, Brainy Smurf. Uh, Jokey Smurf. Vanity Smurf. Um clumsy smurf papa smurf mm. but we have some good and smurf et we live in a world where we like to do these very simple labels on our characters and if the simplest label you could use to explain your character is girl or a thing that would only be said to girls so like sassy Mm, mm, mm. probably not a great character (laughs) give us give us more yeah if that's the thing i've been working on this in general of trying not to specify race 
when I'm describing character. There are times, and I will eventually, like if I'm like, you know, the one from the movie who was like, whatever. And if she's not getting it, I may eventually be like the black. But I try not to lead with that. I try and talk about what was the character like. And sometimes I'm like, oh, wait, the character was just defined as the black one. So there's no, Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. other times, but like try that with uh, the female characters. If you can describe the character without mentioning their woman and see, because there's very seldom do you do that when you're describing male characters, you're like, you know, that one, they're a man. And they're like, no, (laughs) like, see how that goes. And that's ultimately what we need to do. Bechdel tests and sexy limp tests can be a very quick litmus test to tell you when something sucks pretty easily. Yeah. But it's not the only way things sucks. And it doesn't mean that it's good if it gets through that. So only you can answer Top Gun Maverick. I guess you're going to have to watch it a third time. And I'm going to continue to watch it zero times. Thank you. Yet another mystery solved by the hosts of the Magical Talking Hat. Do you have a question that begs to be answered? Then please write the hat at themagicaltalkinghat at gmail.com. That's themagicaltalkinghat at gmail.com. Also, visit the hat at themagicaltalkinghat.com. The music for this episode was provided by Kevin McLeod of incompetech.com